Have you seen at the Southridge Rec Center the alligator rope scramble? As you walk into the Southridge Rec Center in the glass windows, you cannot mistake the alligator rope scramble. It's got a burly rope that looks like it could be something out of Captain Jack Sparrow's pirate ship. And it's fastened to a cement pole on one side and then to another pole on the other side. And underneath it lies lily pads and logs and a flesh-eating alligator. This incredible alligator rope scramble says to kids, this is no longer a community pool. This is a treacherous bayou. Warning. Welcome to the mind of Dale Fredrickson, if you have not been with us before. This invitation, the way they put this treacherous bayou, this adventure says to kids, get in line because this is going to be, an, be dangerous and awesome. And so thousands of kids that go to the Southridge Rec Center in Highlands Ranch get in line. And I've watched them. There's this, this spark in their eye. There's this tapping of their feet. They cannot wait to grab a hold of this rope and to tromp across lily pads and logs with the hopes of stepping on a flesh-eating alligator and becoming victorious at the end. And I've noticed what happens to the rookie kid, uh, there is splash after splash after splash because this rope has some give to it and this lily pads and these logs are slippery and it takes a while to learn how to maneuver yourself around this treacherous bayou. But I've noticed there's others. There's others that seem to grab hold of that rope and get across with no problem whatsoever. And I've noticed out of these thousands of kids that come with this hope, that come for this adventure, that those who are the most successful, they accept that this rope has some give, that there's going to be some water and it could get slippy on the lily pads and logs, and that this flesh-eating alligator is big and they're going to have to step carefully. They accept all these things that are givens, but then they have to have that inner strength within them. That courage that no matter if they splash into that pool, they've got to get up and do it again and again and again. And since 1935, millions of people have gathered in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous groups to find freedom from their addiction to drugs and alcohol. They've gathered and they've shared with one another their deep family histories, and they've come to commit themselves to the 12 steps, and they have tethered themselves to an incredibly beautiful prayer that is written by Reinhold Niebuhr, and the prayer goes like this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. These courageous men and women commit themselves to this prayer. This prayer becomes for them a tethering point in all of their work to gain freedom. And for us, this prayer can be an incredible mechanism, a way for us to enter into fuller life, to more that this world has to offer, to leave behind those worn out routines and patterns that don't give us the fullness of joy and meaning and purpose. And it's fascinating to me that um, this prayer starts us in the direction of God grant us peace or, or serenity or more appropriately, composure. Because we're going to need a steady 
heart to enter this life-changing and self-reflective prayer. So we start with composure, and then as we talked about last week, we have all these human limitations. And we talked about these last week as being people in the history of the world, the one thing we can't control, human beings. It's rather annoying, right? And so we talked about all these other things in the cosmos of the world we can't control, at least as individuals, at least on our own, economic collapses and natural disasters and God. Past choices, genetics, laws of physics, family histories, natural processes, bureaucracy, and elitism. The first part of the prayer takes us to this radical realization of what it means to be flesh and blood, human limitations. But then the prayer this week takes us in the very opposite direction, uh, reminding us of the human power that we have, the courage to change the things that we can. And so as a community, we want to think about what are those things we can change. And then we want to think about what does it mean? What does courage look like? And how can I access this power that is available to me as a human being? And so as a human, there are many things that we have the ability to change. Illustrated for you by the very manly power tools. We can manipulate the world with power tools. That's definitely an amen. That's really good. So we can have the ability to change our attitude. We decide whether we are going to come to our workplace and to one another with a positive or negative attitude. We decide whether we're going to be arrogant, aggressive, or cooperative. We get the choice to be cynical or humble in the way we approach our lives and one another. We get to the choice on how to choose our expectations. We determine the bar for others and for our own lives for our relationships and for our job. And remember that we are never fully completed. We never exhaust all of who is ourself in a job or in a relationship. There's always more to us than what we think. We can change our emotions. Or at least we can't change that we have emotions. Emotions are good. But we get to change. We get to decide who we release our emotions to and, um, and when we release our emotions so our anger and our joy and our grief, we get to share with who we share these emotions and with who we don't. We get to choose not to burden people with them that we know can't handle them. We have the choice to choose our judgments. Our judgments, the way we think about things, the way we come to conclusions about people and situations, we can change we can take the time and slow down to think about the way or the situation that can change. We can change our creativity. Will we be people who are problem solvers? Or will we constantly see a problem as a dead end? We get to change our perspective. Is our life an ever-rising horizon of possibilities or do we narrow ourselves to the way life can be? Is the glass half empty or half full? We get to change our actions. We get to act towards each other. Even though we cannot control the actions of someone else, we can control our actions to others. We can act with kindness and with graciousness. I once had a, a meeting with a man who was a CEO of Kraft. And one of the most remarkable times in our lunch meeting together, he shared with me that he was responsible for a lot of employees. And he said that throughout his whole career, the one thing that helped him to have deep rest and sleep at night has have I treated this person with fairness and kindness. We have the ability, even though other people can treat us in different ways, but to be fair 
and to be kind and to be gracious. But we also have the ability in our relationships with others, uh, with, not with others, but with God. So in our relationship with God, we can choose to deepen our relationship, to take, take advantage of everything that your church offers and have a dynamic relationship with God. And we can also choose our relationship with ourself. Will we treat ourselves with the same type of graciousness and kindness? Will we allow ourselves, and as we strive for excellence, to sometimes be human and to sometimes not m- meet the marks that we set for ourselves? In our gifts, It took me forever to realize that every human being has been given these gifts, our talents and our skills, our limited amount of energy and focus, the calendar of who we are. It took me my entire 20s to figure out that every human being has been given these gifts, monetary gifts, resources of relationships, people we have access to, and all this set of gifts upon gifts that each one of us has given, we have the ability to change, to control, and to use for great good. And this gift, the way we structure our time and our schedule, the way we give our energy to certain projects, the way we pull back on other projects, this is the gift of being human. The way we save our money to to buy from a local vendor or to give back to the church, we have these gifts and it is our choice on how we get to use them. And then we have our health, and we talked about last week that we can't control certain things of our, of our health and our decline and disease that we sometimes happen, but we can control our eating habits, we can control our exercise, we can control our rest. So there is a human power we have to control certain really important things of what it means to be human. But if you look at this list for very long, you think, oh my goodness, that's a lot And uh, as Peter Gomes said, we would like to make a life and not just a living, which, as we know from our own experience and that of others, takes courage. Because it's not often easy to take control, to change the things that we can, to take that one step in the direction of our human power to change attitude and expectations and how we're using our time for great good. It takes courage, step after step. So now that we see these things that we have the great ability to change, now we have to talk about what is courage? What is the courage to change these things? Jesus has had a long day in ministry. And on that hillside just over there, the bread was broken and it was shared and it was somehow multiplied and it was given to all. And there was songs, and there was dancing, and there was great thanksgiving because people had been fed. Over 5,000 voices sharing stories of this new movement that had come into the world. And Jesus was tired. So he did what he had not done up till this point in the gospel. He set his disciples in this simple boat, and he said, "I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. And he pushed them off of the shore. He went up in the mountains to be alone and to pray. This is the first time in the gospel that Jesus let his disciples be alone. So as the story goes, as the night, as the sun began to set, as the clouds began to form, a storm happened upon this great sea and waves and wind and rain started pummeling down on these disciples, these fishermen. And they were alarmed. 
There was a great anxiety and threat. They knew this was no place to be in the middle of the sea fighting this headwind. And as they rowed, their oars and their shoulders felt sore. They were face to face with danger. The reality of all the things they couldn't control in human life. But within their very beings, they could control certain things. They could keep rowing. They could keep their spirits high. But they're in the middle of the sea and there's wind and waves. And the New Testament does a beautiful job of saying the waves were assaulting this boat, slamming up against this boat again and again and again. And there was real fears, fears of danger that they could actually lose their life. And in the ancient world, the sea was a great metaphor for the water of chaos, for all the things that are unmanageable and uncontrollable. The sea was a place that people talked about as where the forces of evil because at that moment in human history, there was no control over everything and there's still, in some ways, no control over the ancient sea. So this was an incredible moment for the disciples and isn't this a moment that every one of us have been in? Oh, we've seen glassy lakes and great waters and beautiful days with dolphins, but we've also seen days where there's wind and there's waves and we're not sure if we're going to make it on the other side because their story, this story, is our story. It's a story of being on a boat trying to get to the other side and not knowing how we're going to get there. It's the story of being at the Southridge Rec Center, not sure if we can hold on to that rope to tromp on that flesh-eating alligator. We are hanging on. We are trying to figure out what it means to be human and how to move forward, but we're in the boat. And it's getting later. The temperatures are dropping. There is panic and there's anxiety. Finally, finally in the story, in the fourth watch of the night, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus comes to them. When it is absolutely the coldest and the darkest, where all the hope seems to be drained from this situation, these disciples had signed up for something that they thought was full of meaning, full of joy, that the forces of good were finally going to triumph on the forces of evil. But there, in the very darkest, when hope seemed the last option, Jesus comes to them on the waters, and he simply says these words, Thersaite, ego I may. Me phobiste. Very simple, very um, useful, um, intentional words that says, be courageous. I am here. Do not be afraid. Now for these ancient disciples in this river, this could only mean one thing. That their God, this God, had walked on the waters for them. That the forces of good would triumph over the forces of evil. That finally everything was going to be okay. And he says to them, be courageous. And on the opposite end he says, do not be afraid. But stuck in between there is this incredible phrase, I am here. The ego I me. The name for God in the Old Testament, I am. So what does Jesus mean when he says courage here? He says he wants us all to embody the sense of firm or resoluteness in the face of danger. Or in other words, a simple way of saying this is that courage is grit through danger. Most recently, a lot of educators, Rebecca Duckworth on a TED Talk, has talked about this idea of grit. The idea that every student needs to cultivate grit. And grit is simply this sense of long-term um, ability to solve problems, resilience, a stick-to-it mentality, a no-quit spirit that sees obstacles as growth. 
So Jesus invites us when we think of the word courage to think of the long term, not the short term. To think of a lifetime, not a shot from a coffee espresso or an energy drink, but this long-term obedience in one direction. Jesus asks us to be courageous, that there is something for us on the other side of that sea. As the great theologian John Wayne has said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And saddling up again and again and again. And then we come to the I am. What does this mean? That between be courageous and between do not be afraid, there is this I am. And what this incredible verse is telling us, this is the I am. This is the name for God. This is a God that promised that wherever we go through, God will be with us. That God will never leave or forsake us. This is the God who meets us in the hardest things we have to do as humans and wills our growth. We are given an access to power in this God. The paradox of the Christian spirituality is once again this. In our humanity, we are giving, given access to divine power. And this is the power of courage to change the things that we can change about being human and to leave the rest up to God, the I am. So then, as the story goes, Peter says, hey, if, if, if that's you, I want to walk on that water. Of course, right, Peter. And so Peter takes a step and another step and another step. And I just wonder how many steps Peter was able to take on that water before he starts sinking. And, of course, Jesus pulls him up from this water. And what's fascinating about this is that, that God is walk, Jesus is walking on the water and inviting us to do the same. And it's a deep metaphor. And the, the truth of this story is like this. Jesus shares his power with his disciples. And this is what it means to be a follower, a disciple. We have the power to do what God does. And this is that paradox in action. That when we feel the most vulnerable, the most weak, that's when we have power. That in our humanity, there is a pulsing energy from God within us to confront, to have the courage to change the things that we can. So we can change certain things, our attitudes, our expectations, our judgments, our creativity, our perspective, our actions, our gifts, and our health. But it takes courage, and it takes an access to power that is available for us, one step at a time. I noticed my daughter pulling on my hand, and I looked down at her and she said, Dad, Dad, I want to get in line for the alligator rope scramble. Now, I was extremely worried at this point because she's really little, and she shouldn't go on the alligator rope scramble, but she convinced me that with a life vest, she could go on this scramble. So she gets in line, and the first thing that happens when she grabs a hold of that rope is she can barely hold on to it with her little fingers. And then before, she, she doesn't even get to the first log, splash, she's in the pool. And at that moment, I thought, okay, great, we're, we're going to get out of here. And so I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And the, her eyes lit with a fire. We are not leaving this place until she masters the alligator rope scramble. And so again, she gets her foot onto that log and splash. And again, and again. And I have this moment as a parent where I'm thinking, we're never leaving here. Uh, because she has this resolute will. And have you seen that courage in someone else's eye? That sense of 
God-accessed power, that they are going to fulfill this mission, this vision. There is nothing that can stop them in the way. So she kept getting out and going again and again. And she'd get a little bit further and a little bit further. Then after about an hour, her little muscles were very tired. And so she comes over and she just lets it out. She just cries that she can't do this. And so by this time, we're all in. And so I'm like, You're, you can do this. And so we set her back in line and she's going a little bit further, a little bit further, splash. And then a little bit further, a little bit further. Finally, she tromps her head on the alligator and she's holding and she's yelling at me, dad, dad, to make sure that I'm seeing and cheering, of course. And she gets to the very end of that alligator. She dismounts onto it and does a pose. <laughs> and the best part is she stays in that pose until she's satisfied with my clapping, okay? <laughs> The courage to change the things we can. Inside every one of us, there is an access to power. There are things we can't change that we must let go of. There are things that we can change if we want to grow, if we want to experience deeper joy and more of life. Last week, I invited you to let go of those things you cannot control. And this week, I want to ask you to pick up. Pick one of these areas whether attitude or expectations or emotions or judgments or creativity, pick one that your life needs some work on and access the power of this God to change these things. Amen.